Welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Justin Box. It's going to radically adjust, recalibrate, refocus, um, inspire, stir up, call up, call out all the things that God's put within us. So we're going to, this is our vision for the year, Sunday morning and Wednesday night. And obviously there's some other ministries happening. That's why we've done the three weeks on, two weeks off, three weeks on, four weeks off, and then into the next term, three weeks on, two weeks off, three weeks on, four weeks off. So we've, we've, we haven't gone too intense in the first year with it, just because we get time's a big deal, but we feel like 24 weeks out of 324 times out of the 365 days is doable. And when we look at it like that, it's, uh, it's actually doable. And Lee and I are going to be paying for ourselves to do it. And we're um, and just going to be adjusting. We're going to make it a priority to do it. We're going to have to pay babysitters. So it's going to cost us something. But I love 2 Samuel 24, 24. I love the glory. I love the presence. I love the manifest presence. I love when he touches us so deeply. I love the fire of God. I love praying. I love prophecy. I love healing. I love salvation. I love the word. I love church. I love everything about him and his will and his kingdom. I love it all. But there's moments where there's, there's this this tipping point in our life where we've got to actually do something that scares us like Peter in the boat. And I feel like this school is one of those moments and it's about trust. Will you trust God with your time? Because Jesus didn't mess around when he said, seek first my kingdom. And I'm not using that as a weight on you or a burden on you, but he either meant it or he didn't. He either said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and then all the stuff that you worry about happening, it will sort out. But when we step into trust, which comes from connection with him, we get to actually go, oh, wow, okay, I can seek first your kingdom because I know you. We're not seeking first the kingdom without knowing him, without experiencing him, without encountering his character and his nature and how good he really is, we've encountered him. So we, because of connection, we can step into trust. And when trust is fully established in our life, the result is peace. I want to live a life full of peace. You can live a life full of peace on the edge, on the brink, on, on this cusp and cliff of I don't know if it's going to sort out, but I trust him. And still have full peace and still have full joy. Because Paul said in James, consider it pure joy when facing trials of many kinds, brothers, that the testing of your faith and those challenging times actually do something in you that the mountaintops couldn't do. So I want to challenge us as a church, as a community, as a family, those that call this place home to trust God and even another step further, which is really hard, to trust us. And I get that connection, it comes from connection. But yeah, this is a big deal. It's going to cost $295 and comparably it's cheap as chips. But I still get that that means nothing if $295 means a lot to you. So there is a payment plan and there are some options. And if you honestly cannot pay for the school, let's have a chat. Is that cool? So I reckon there's going to be some people that might even sponsor someone and God might just sponsor you 
Is that cool? Yeah, so Lord, we just ask that you would, that we would ask you about it. That we would ask you about it. You know our year, you know the months, you know the years, you know our family dynamic, you know what we're going through, you know what we need. And I, and I pray for boldness with every person here that they would actually be bold enough to ask you the question, should I do the school? <laughs> Amen. That's not a manipulative prayer. He might say no. I'm serious. He might say no, and I'm good with that. You can look me in the eye and say he said no. No, no. No, but genuinely, he might say no. My default is to say Jesus every single time I witness to someone. Sometimes he'll pull a red light and say, not this time, because you've got relationship with him. And it feels weird, but you've got to go with his voice. We're not in charge of you. We're not want to control you. We'll encourage and champion and cheer and, and facilitate rooms for us all to step into and grow. And then you get to make a, a choice. Is that cool? So good. You happy? Hey, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to, I want to share a few um, things today. I've been thinking about Matthew 6.10 a lot, been thinking about um, Jesus modeled prayer for his disciples in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, um, and how he, he encouraged the disciples how they should pray. So he, Jesus' time on earth was setting them up. He was actually setting up all those that would believe in him how to live out their life. So it was like this blueprint, this plan, this model that Jesus modeled through teaching and doing, which is the best way to do it. If it's just teaching, it's no good. So it's got to be modelled. It's got to be done. I don't want to hear from a carpenter in a uni that's never done carpentry. I'm like, mate, I want some experience. Can you prove that you believe what you're saying? So that's really important. Jesus actually said in John 10, 28, if, if I don't do the miracles, if I don't do the works that, that, that my father is doing, if I don't do the works of my father, you don't have to believe me. He was about being genuine and authentic with the message we preach, and then it backed up. Such a challenge. He goes, believe in the works on their own, he says in verse 29 and 30, because they're testifying. So this, this whole deal about your kingdom coming and your will being done this side of heaven, as much as possible, we're believing for. As much as possible. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on earth, this side of heaven, this side of eternity, as much as we can get, we're believing for. Because he doesn't mess around with his words. He's either true or he's a liar. And I'm super challenged by these scriptures. I'm super challenged and I've committed my life to believing that the, the word of God is real and I don't ask questions about how it all came in the Bible and can I trust it. I've got to look at the, the cosmos, the sky, the, the things that he's done in me. I've got to take into account all the things, all the testimonies, looking at the universe, the, the, the galaxies. I've got to look at it all and the testimony of my own life and come to a point, I trust you with this word. I trust that you didn't let 
weirdness happen. I trust that, that what I have today is you. And when we can actually get to that point of trust, then we can live by it and not second guess it. Which means that the words in it take on this whole new thing of not, mm, maybe it's real, maybe it's not, maybe there's stories, maybe it's not, maybe it's fantasy, maybe it's not, maybe it was all dodgy in the way it was put together, how did it get translated and all this sort of thing. But we can actually get to a point of fully believing that his word is his word. And it brings freedom because there's no more doubt or confusion. You just trust him. And, and when, we, when we start living with consistency in the word, then his repetition becomes his reputation. And trust develops more and peace begins to flow and joy begins to flow. It's connection into trust, into peace, into joy. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we talk about the will a lot. We talk about the kingdom a lot. And we're going to keep unpacking that. I've got so many messages that I'm trying to preach. But they're not coming out. And that's fine. It's great. It's annoying because they're just backed up on my computer. And I feel like the Lord, and every time I get up, and I'm, I'm positive I'm going to be sharing this. <laughs> it's really annoying because it's hard. But, but in the midst of looking at the kingdom and, and his will and this powerful declaration, this statement, this expectation of Jesus, I don't, wanna, I don't want us to forget the your. This year, I don't want us to forget the your. I don't want, I don't want us to forget whose will it is. I don't want us to forget whose kingdom it is. Because the one overseeing it all is a person. Character and nature, unlike anything else, anyone else. And he's the one we're connecting with. He's the one that's allowing us to step into trust. He's the one releasing the grace, which gives us the... We can't make up trust. He's the one releasing grace, immaterial, supernatural, can't see it. He's releasing grace, which gives you the ability that you didn't have before. We can't, we didn't make trust up, but when we commit to connecting with him and pursuing him, trust comes. We all want peace. We can't have peace without trust. What do you want? World peace. Everyone wants it. Everyone's crying out for it. It was Luke 2.13. He's come, Hosanna in the highest. Peace on earth. We all want peace. But Bible peace is in the midst of chaos. Evident, prominent, sure, strong, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of external circumstances, coming so close and confronting everything you believe. I don't want us to forget the your. We're very good with me, myself, and I. Because it's us. We're with ourselves all the time. We're very good with me, myself, and I. And we're very good with we, us, and our. Well, we're getting better. 
I won't say we're very good with it. Not talking about the church, just people in general. So we know me, myself, and I, but what about we, us, and our? We're growing in that. But I want to ask the question this morning, first Sunday of the year, what about him, his, and he? How's your, your? Because it's your kingdom come. Your points to a person. How's your, your? Ask your neighbor, how's your, your? Come on, everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, how's your, your? So good. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Matthew 6, 13 says, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's not forget whose kingdom it is and let's not forget whose will it is. I love this quote from Bill Johnson. When we pursue kingdom principles above his presence, we are looking for the kingdom without a king. When we pursue kingdom principles above his presence, we are looking for the kingdom without a king. How's your, your? Matthew, and I love this, I love this. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, we get it. We don't get it. I love verse 11. I love how verse 10 is what's possible and what's expected from a born-again believer. What's possible and what's expected. Matthew 6.10. If you can sum up the whole New Testament with that verse, Matthew 6.10. What's the point of Jesus coming? Matthew 6.10. That's it. I'm glad there's heaps of other verses in there and they're all great. They all point to that. And then we get Matthew 6.11. Who knows Matthew 6.11? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. I believe it's Matthew 6.35. Jesus is talking, or John 6.35, one of them. Maybe John, because I am in John. I am the bread of life. So I am the bread of life. Jesus said in John 4.21-ish to 24, the disciples offered him food after a long journey. And he said, no, no, I've got food you, don't, you know nothing about. And they're like, what is this cat talking about? And he goes, my food is to do the will of the Father. So we've got this idea, and then we've got this picture in the Old Testament about the manna, which is where this comes from. The manna was, was provided by heaven, and it sustained them, but it was only good for one day. And it paints a beautiful picture of our dependency on God. And Jesus thought it was so good because he was involved in the whole manna deal anyway. So New Testament comes and he's like, hey, this is a big deal. We're putting it in. Give us this day our daily bread. It's right after all the work. It's, it's not, not a coincidence. It could have been verse 13 or 12, but it's right after the kingdom work. It's right after the doing, the, the exploits, the, the, the amazing stuff that we can do for Jesus. And he's like, this is a big deal. Give us this day our daily bread. How's your, your? I want to read Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1 to 9. 
I want your heart to be stirred by this as it highlights what Paul is doing here. He's setting this church in Ephesus up with their your being a priority. Can we read this together with only me speaking? <laughs> Ephesians 1, 1 to 9. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Remember, did Paul have a choice with that will? Probably. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus. Christians are saints. And who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace. He's releasing something that he has. That's the last bit of teaching I'm going to do. And then we'll just read it. So he'd release something because he carries peace and grace like you do. So you can actually release it and other people experience it. But only if you believe you've got it. Grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Verse 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him. Far out. Lots of hymns. He, Himself, His, Jesus, Christ, Father, our God, Lord. How's your your? Like, seriously, how are you doing? My personality can just get stuff done. Just lock in. Let's just get it done. Let's plan it. Council stuff. East the carnival. Let's just get it done. Lock it in. Do it. Planning. Teams. Yeah. It's like, he's like, cool, mate. Really good stuff, buddy. How are we doing? And it's, it's, it doesn't matter when a preacher brings up this message. It always makes sense. It's always relevant. Because we're all going, yep, got to reevaluate my yaw. I'd need to adjust it a little bit. I've got to recalibrate it. And the awesome thing is, we're never in condemnation. Because that's for people who don't believe in Jesus. Can, that's not for believers, condemnation. Conviction's really good. So the Holy Spirit will definitely give you a bit of a tap today. But it's beautiful and it's healthy. It's like a child. We, I love correcting Bella. I promise you. I love disciplining her. I enjoy it. I'm not weird and sadistic. But I promise you, I enjoy taking her to the naughty corner, which we might rename it to the thinking corner. What do you guys call it? Oh, do you? Oh, I was going to come up with that. I can't have that. Penny, Penny, they call it the thinking corner. 
so she can process how her behavior was, how she spoke to us. Did she listen or not? But I love this process. I actually love it because she's growing each time. She can't actually grow without it. It's impossible for my daughter to grow without my correction and discipline. It's coded in love and I'm always proud of her because my proudness is not associated with what she does. It's because of who she is. Like God, always proud of you. Can you mess up? Hurt him? Of course you can. Always proud because he's not, he, he doesn't mix up what you do with who you are. So he's always pleased with you. Don't, don't confuse him putting the two together of what you do and who you are. He doesn't mix them up. Can we hurt him? Yeah. The Bible says we can grieve him because he cares. If he can't be grieved, he doesn't care. <laughs> but I love correction. I love discipline. I love do it. I love it. Where was I? You weren't listening, were you? Oh, that's weak. Come on. Ephesians 1 to 9. Matthew 6.10. Nah, it's great. Jesus. Yeah, how's your your? Thanks, Dad. How's it going? We can relate to this. We can relate to this. Be open enough this morning to go, you know what? I can handle a bit of whipping because it's done in love. I love this quote. It's like God puts a knife through your heart and as he pulls it out, it gets healed. Like he's that good. When his word pierces you, when it is pulled out, it heals you. How's your your? Matthew 4, 4. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. Massive difference to precedes. There was so much purpose in the in the proceeds, the mouth, they could have used precedes because all the Bible's real and true and amazing. But it's what precedes brings life in the moment. So he can quote in the moment a word that he's already spoken, of course. But what's he saying today? It's the whole, we can't live on yesterday's manner deal. But it's like, so God, what are you saying today? Because he's always speaking, always speaking, always speaking. <coughs> always speaking. So what is he actually saying? Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's critical to the farmer to know what season they are in. We went through this for a, couple, uh, a month last year, like, do you know your season? And if you know your season, you can know your now. If you know your now, you know what step to take. If you know what step to take, you can live with confidence. It's a big deal. When to sow and when to reap. If we only focus on principles, we miss his presence. If we only focus on the kingdom, we miss the king. Keeping in step with him, Galatians 5. Recognizing his voice. Proverbs, it talks about having a listening ear. What's he saying? Revelation, let those who have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. There's, there's this truth around the listening ear. What's he saying? His voice today might not be the same voice as tomorrow. 
Yes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he's, he's not evolving. He's, his words are going to be different tomorrow because give us today our daily bread. Can we get practical for a minute? Can you get out your phones or a notepad as quick as you can? If you choose not to do it, I love you. Judge you, but love you. <laughs> now let's do it together. Grab your phone. Once you've got your phone and you're ready in notes, So get notes out or a pen out and just once you're ready, just, let's just close our eyes for a moment. Jesus. I just want you to ask God, well you might already know, but what, what stirred you so far this morning? What stirred you about give us this day our daily bread? What stirred you about... Matthew, a man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Just begin to articulate it. And this is God speaking 101. Ask a question, listen, and then your next thought is most likely God. It's not going to come on a cloud or a vision, or it might, but right now God's that good that your first thought after asking a question will be Him. So I want you to write that down, what stirred you could be a couple of lines could be i've got to set an alarm i've got to believe his word i've got to i've got to prioritize his presence i've got to talk to my wife about each of us having 10 minutes in the morning and the other person has the kids it could be anything he's going to speak specific to you what stirred you so far this morning and then and then the exciting thing that i love is the next thing i want you to write down is what are you going to do about it So something stirred you, but what happens is if something stirs you and you do nothing about it and it continues to happen, familiarity comes in and then when someone else says it a year down the track, you don't care. It's full on. And you get to a point where you don't care. And you're like, why don't I care anymore? I talk about worship and praying and I just don't care. It's because when it comes and you're stirred a lot, and he's always good, he's always going to come. He's always going to say, hey, there's grace. Fresh, fresh grace every morning, mercy every morning. Is that good that he'll come? Like the word of the Lord came a second time to Jonah after Jonah blew it. So he's always good. But what, what do you feel like the Lord directing you in, in this whole area? Is that okay? Awesome. We're going to move on. So his presence, give us this day our daily bread. Can we make that a priority this year, church? I guarantee you, if, if we can prioritize his presence and his word, then you will have more time. You will actually supernaturally have more time. If you think you will lose three hours coming out on a Wednesday night, I want to encourage you from my history with the Lord that you doing that, you'll actually double and triple that time. It's supernatural. Your capacity will increase as you seemingly lose time spending with him. Does that make sense? Awesome. Exodus 33, 9 to 11. This scripture makes me jealous and sometimes angry um, and really determined to believe that this is possible for me because this is old covenant stuff and we're in a better covenant. Hebrews talks about that. He mentions Moses in that as well. 
talks about the better covenant that we're in and the better promises, and it's just better. So when we read this, let's keep into context the covenant that we're in and how Holy Spirit's in us. Exodus 33, 9 to 11. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the tent of meeting, which the Lord set up so that he could meet with Moses and guide and direct and just, just speak and encourage. Whenever Moses entered that tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses, verse 10. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud, pause, the people were invited. They chose to watch. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship. That's awesome. Love that. But there's another level and it's in the tent with God. Each at the entrance, each at the entrance of their own tent. So picture it, lots of tents, tent of meeting, they're at the front of their tent watching Moses go in, wondering what's going on in there. This is what goes on in behind the curtains. Verse 11, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, this line here, just as a man speaks to his friend. And we often jump on this last line and use it a lot and it's amazing that Moses would return to the camp and his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Amazing on Joshua's part. Love it. Just lingering in the presence. But this whole deal about just as a man speaks to his friend. I love how the Old Testament is just this amazing setup and pathway pointing to Jesus. Because John 15 Jesus echoes this whole Exodus, Moses, tent of meeting deal. And he says, hey guys, you're no longer slaves, but you're friends. Have you got that, Jen? I'm just going to go to Sermon 7.A and find that scripture. There it is. John 15, just when you can. So John 15, 15 to 18. Jesus is teaching his disciples about friendship with God, that they're no longer slaves. And he explains why they're no longer slaves. This is my commandment that you love one another. This is Jesus, John 15. So we've got Exodus 33, Moses, ten of meeting, would go away with God, talk face to face as a friend. Jesus is saying, just as I've loved you, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says to his disciples, he's saying to us, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, no longer I'm a slave, but I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Paul echoed this as well. He's revealed the kind intention of his will. You did not choose me and I chose, I chose you and appointed you that you'd go and bear fruit and fruit that would last so that whatever you ask in my name, it will be given to you. This I command you that you'd love one another. So we've been talking about presence. We've been talking about his face, which is synonymous. It's, it's presence, face, presence, face. It's him. His presence is his face. We're seeking the face of God. We're seeking the presence of God. Give us this day our daily bread. But secondly, stepping into and believing that we're no longer slaves, but friends. 
So for 2019, prioritizing and pursuing his presence, listening to his voice, what is he saying today? And then stepping into friendship with God. And it's full on, it's confronting friendship because a lot of us don't have friends to the level that the word friend actually means. Like many of us don't have a best friend. And we talk about often our relationship with our our father can affect how we see God. Well, I reckon it's the same with friendship, that we view often our friendship with Jesus or our friendship with God through our relationships that we've had up until this point. And if we haven't had great friendships, if we haven't had best friends, if we haven't worked through communication and connection and authentic relationship and honesty and vulnerability and all those easy things to work through, If we don't do that, then we can't have real friendship because real friendship requires depth. And often we're scared of depth because we think it's about shame and judgment and, and, and highlighting bad stuff and we're going to be known and I'm no good. That's often why we, 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 we keep at arm's distance from people because if they really knew who I was, they don't want to be my friend or they're going to judge me because the stuff I go through, no one else does. And that's why we keep people at a distance in church and externally. We're just like, nah, we're good because I've got all this going on. And if I tell you this is going to get weird and I'm going to have to open up and be honest and, and go through some healing and stuff. It's, it's, this, is, this is right where we're at. This is like, this is what the Lord's on in the church today. Massively. Communication and connection. Because if we can't love ourselves in here, and learn how to communicate, present our needs in a relationship, value each other, hear. The goal of connection is understanding, not talking, your point. So when we can actually gain understanding, I can see your perspective and I might grow a bit more. Because all I see is the front of Mitch, but Judy sees the back of Mitch. So when we start to do friendship, and I often feel like if we can't do friendship with us, how are we going to get it with him? It's like we grow in this model of friendship and connection. How are you really going to love people outside of here if you can't love each other? We can throw around soul, soul, souls all day long. But I want to be motivated by compassion that's birthed out of real relationship and real connection with real people and me being real and them seeing me and loving me which boosts everything inside him that's meant to come alive. And then he's involved in the whole process and we start to live healthy and whole and we don't have to try to be witnesses. (laughs) Like, can we, I'd love to get to a point where we don't even try. Like, we don't even think about it. It's just, of course I'm going to be because I've sorted all this stuff out on the inside. How's your in going? How's your up? How's your in? How's your out? (laughs) We'll always keep talking about the out. But the out's going to be way better if your up's awesome and your in's awesome. Jesus is a genius. And he talks in the, the, um, uh, what is it? (laughs) Matthew 22, is it? 37 to 39, the greatest commandment. Love your, uh, what is it? Love the Lord God with all your heart. It's It's a kid's Bible verse, isn't it? Love, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's this process of loving God, learning to love ourselves, and that's the defining factor of your ability to love other people. 
And you learn to love yourself by letting people in and seeing you. Because when you really be real with someone and they see your junk and they go, what are you, you're awesome. Yeah, you've got to deal with that, of course, because it's going to hurt you. And God hates anything that gets in the way of love. But when you actually honestly witness a friendship that sees you for who you are and the mistakes that you make and them respond like a father and a mother, not just a leader, mentor, shepherd, but in the characteristics of a mother and father, like Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians, when we step into that kind of friendship and we see their response, which echoes God's heart and what he's really like, we go, oh my goodness, maybe I am amazing. Maybe I am going to be okay. Maybe other people do go through this. Maybe there is hope for me. Maybe God sees me the same way. Maybe he does see me holy and blameless now. Maybe he does think I'm amazing. Maybe he is pleased with me. Maybe he is proud of me. Doesn't excuse dealing with stuff. Man, if we can get this, we can actually step into becoming friends with God. And when you're friends with God, it's over in a good way. Like it's a done deal. We'll, we'll, I'll be like, ah, oh, testimony Sunday. I'd like to have once a month testimony Sundays. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Plenty of sermons throughout the year. I'd love to do once a month testimony Sundays. And we just got, we've got a line. Can we just declare, we just prophesy this, we just speak it out. We don't have to, we, and this we don't have to wonder if it's God's will. Of course it is. So, so we'll have people just lined up, maybe even up the side, leaning on the wall, because this testimony is going too long, because he had 17, like Nancy did. <laughs> Nancy just messaged me, hey, got some testimonies, 17 of them. <laughs> awesome, Nancy, love you to share four, five, and six on Sunday. I'm like, it's amazing. Jimmy, just, I mean, he could write me a testimony every week, pretty much. There's testimonies all the time. Friendship with God, presence. And then the final one, if uh, the band could get up, that'd be amazing. I think God stopped time. I'll get the podcast back and it's like 50 minutes. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> it's okay, I'm the senior pastor here. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. Not really. Um, do it all, no, no, no. The reason why we try to keep the sermons down a little bit is because I love talking, but I mean, talking's great, but how long do we want to talk for? I'd rather respond and engage with the Lord a little bit as well, you know, just to make room for Him so we can learn together how to make room for Him at home. And it's one of our great responsibilities that we can facilitate some moments when we can connect with God. And of course, you connect with Him during the Word. The Word's paramount, critical for our life. But we want to create space around the Word to respond to it. So the final, the final, it's presence, it's friendship. And the final thing is, how's your gaze? David penned this awesome psalm that we all know. It's on your magnet on the fridge. It's on your magnet. It's on your coffee cup. You bought it from Kuron. Psalm 27, 4, one thing I ask, one thing I seek. You know it. But familiarity is a spirit and not a nice spirit. <laughs> and what it does is it 
familiarity in itself is a good word. It's connection, it's closeness, it's, it's an ease in a relationship because you know each other really well. But what the spirit of familiarity does is it gets in the ear of people like it did in the Jewish synagogue when Jesus got up to preach. And they're like, oh, they're marveling because they're experiencing kindness. Grace, the word's kindness, charis in the Greek. They're marveling because they're feeling what they've been believing to feel forever. At the dinner table, their mums and dads, the rabbis were teaching them that this Messiah is gonna come. And here he was. And they're feeling kindness. Grace isn't just a word we throw around, Christian word. It's a person. It's kindness. Yeah, it's unmerited favour, but the word doesn't mean unmerited favour and undeserved. We translate that through texts and verses. Of course it does mean that as well. But the Greek word means kindness. And they experience kindness. And they experience the one they were hoping for. Like this was it. This was the moment. And then a demon got in their ear and said, nah, that's Joseph's son. And, they, and through logic and reason and natural thinking, they agreed, which is all the enemy wants, is a subtle agreement. And they went, yep, that's Joseph's son. He isn't the son of God. And familiarity won. And familiarity gets in and it creates fear. And I really felt that really strongly. So he's... So, so David's writing this, Psalm 27. Passion translation. Here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with Him every moment in His house, finding the sweet loveliness of His face, filled with awe, delighting in His glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to Him that He takes pleasure in my every prayer. Remember, that's Old Testament as well. So we've got to filter that through the New Testament. NIV, this is the one that's on your magnet. One, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And this is the verse here, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. So presence and His Word. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's stand to our feet. Second was friendship. And the critical element to friendship with God is friendship with others. 1 John said, you can't love me and hate your brother. You're a liar. <laughs> I, just, I, like, I like that because there's no condemnation. And the third one is, how's your gaze? This word gaze is not a glance. And right now, I want to encourage you to do whatever you want to do, need to do to, to be more aware of God now. It's whether it's close your eyes, sit down, lie down, whatever. But this is where we're stepping in a bit more now. So how's the presence? How's your up? How's your friendship with God? Are you friends with God? Or... Do you just want him to tell you what to do? Because that's a slave. But he's, he's, he's saying, I've called you friends. 
You're no longer a slave because you get to know what the master is doing. And then this third one is, how's your gaze? How's your, how's your up? How's your, are you looking at him? That's not a glance. It's not just a passing glance. David was particular about the Hebrew word that he used, gaze, to fix the eyes in a steady and earnest look, to look with eagerness or even curiosity, in admiration, to contemplate, to be astonished. To, it means a fixed look. God are you looking at him how's your gaze does he captivate you does he take your breath away I just declare I mean Jesus I love the have you forsaken your first love I actually love it because Jesus celebrates them and says guys you're doing a phenomenal job with all the kingdom stuff but in that, and, and I feel like he's even saying that to me, but you've forsaken your first love. And this is not a heavy whip. Because there's no condemnation. He only ever corrects to bring up and lift your head up. Thank you, God. And I feel like he's reminding us of where we've been with him in the past and what he wants to do with us in the future. Presence our daily bread, friendship with God, and how's your gaze? And I've asked the team just to sing whatever they want to sing, just for the next few moments. And I feel like the Lord is going to minister to you. That's the best, yeah? I love people praying for me. But when the Lord ministers to us, so how are you doing? How's your your? Yeah. You might need to say, hey, I'm checking in again, God, and I'm making this a priority this year. I'm going to set aside some time to be with you. And everything else will sort out. Promise. Let's do it. We go way, way back. 
Go away, away. 
been developed through valleys and mountaintops, both equally critical to form your relationship with the Lord. It's an anchor, it's a well, your relationship with Him. Does it mean that if you don't spend time with Him one day, it's all gone? No, that's stupid. Because we've got a well. So we're not lacking, it's a mindset. We're not lacking, but we're just going to start digging again. We're going to dig deeper. We've got to get a bigger rope for that well. So much has gone on in you. It's amazing. There's so much in you. There's more in you than you realise. There's people here that have been praying for things, and this is the season where it's going to manifest. This season, Jesus. Yeah, like Joel prophesied, I'm sending fresh wine, fresh oil and fresh grain. What do you make bread with? Grain. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus, come on, stir up your faith. Stir up your faith right now. Whether it's loud or soft, it's irrelevant. Just stir it up. Yeah, Paul fathered Timothy and said, there's so much in you. Fan into flame that gift. Fan into flame that gift. Because you go way, way back with Him. You you and God have been through too much to let it slip. Let's let's dig in. Let's get more rope. You and I, there's something on that. Whatever else you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, we go way, way back. Let Him remind you of your testimonies when He, when he came through. We go way, way back. We go way, way back. You and I got history. We go way, way back. We go way, way back. You and I.
your kingdom come, your will be done. Yours is the kingdom. Yeah, we prioritize the king this year and watch it affect every area of our life. When we're around the king, we learn how he communicates, how he loves, how he honors people. He rubs off on us. Thank you, God.